I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hi, and welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I am Christine. And I'm Regina. And today, well, I think you guys already know the spiel. (laughs) We have a super... A super special guest. He's like my brother. Whenever I say this, people are always like, wait, are you guys actually brother and sister? I'm like, no, we are not. (laughs) But we might as well be. I feel like we share a really deep kinship because of how our careers have developed and our same philosophy and mentality towards the community. And Regina and I have known him for a really long time now. Mm -hmm. Right, Regina? Ages. When's the first time you met this special guest? I want to say like 2010. Was it an ISA thing? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Once I say ISA, I mean, that pretty much gives it away, right? <laughs> As you can tell, we're really bad at hyping these things up. Oh my god, I think I did a really good job. Excuse you. I'm not done with my intro, but I'm going to intro him first, so then I can say all the nice things and he can respond. <laughs> so, we want to welcome Dan, a.k.a. Dan! Yeah. You guys can't see it, but Christine's making these weird like movements that, if this was being filmed, you'd totally know that... She's really excited about this. Um, it's called dancing. <laughs> so just just imagine jazz Christine hands. dancing while... Yeah, it's actually just a lot of jazz hands. Yay, Dan, I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm really happy to be a part of this. Thank you. Dan and I often meet, and we have these very deep conversations about everything, and Dan, every once in a while, will text me and be like, hey, we need to catch up. I need to, like, talk to you about stuff. And then we will have these really long conversations, and in true Dan fashion, he'll abruptly be like, okay, I have to go now. (laughs) (laughs) We should just record one of those conversations. That's when I get really real. And I, I think this is going to be similar to those conversations. I, I need Christine and Regina to prod me to make sure that I am uh, talking to you guys and giving what you need. Trust me, I will dig it out of you, sir. I know. Christine was telling me beforehand, she's like, oh, don't worry. I'll get Dan to talk. <laughs> I'll get it in there. Yeah. Oh, is that true? Because Dan's been through a lot of stuff. And I think, Dan, to me, that is why I feel so connected to you because there's so many things that you've been through. And because of those experiences, that is why you give so much of yourself to the community and to the people around you. And you inspire so many people. And now with your music and through rap, there's another side of you that I feel has been wanting to express yourself even more authentically than you have been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just not very good at expressing myself in general, and I think that those outlets give me the opportunity to kind of put myself out there a little bit more than maybe I, I usually would if you were just meeting me in person. Yeah, see, I think that's the thing where people that know you on a personal level know a different Dan versus people that know you as like Dan, a.k.a. Dan, executive <laughs> director at ISA and, you know, a host and a rapper and a personality. And now you're doing vlogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the vlog thing, actually, I'm really happy that I started doing that. I'm going to do it a lot more consistently now. Mm. Now I know how to like knock them out. Like I know exactly what it is in order to like put together a three minute vlog. Yeah, you've come a long way because I think you and I, when we've been in front of camera, Regina too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think Regina's a little bit more natural. Like for us too, I feel like it was uncomfortable at first. Oh no, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. No, I think that Christine and I professionally, we both came from a very similar background and the people that we work with are very similar too. So yeah, we, we both seen each other grow in so many ways, mm-hmm. and then you know now with your new album release, Escape from LA. I asked Dan to send me the lyrics because he sent me previews to the song because I can't hear rapping very well. <laughs> 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 when 
when I read it, I was like, Dan, this is your soul. I feel like there's so many deep lyrics in there. I told Jack, I was like, oh, so Tupac-ish. Uh, <laughs> very, sure. like, it really is in the way that what you're saying reflects a lot of what's going on internally. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of commentary about society and mm-hmm. The social norms of things that are currently happening. So I was like, oh my gosh, Dan Matthews, come on to Perfectly Imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) We want to jump into it. And today's topic is about not fitting in. I think that that's something that all three of us struggle with, even our current lives now as adults. And we want to dive into why that is, how we feel when that happens, and bring in our experiences from our past and perhaps why we approach life the way we do. So Regina, what are some experiences that you've had that you didn't feel like you quite belonged or you didn't fit in? It definitely reminds me of college. Uh, I was thinking back to like my childhood. I think I was really lucky that I always had a lot of friends around me and I really did make friends really easily, but I think it's because of the environment that I was in. I grew up in a very strong Asian American environment and I was Asian American. So like I never felt like the odd one out. I was always the majority. Then I went to college and it was a religious college and I was not religious at all. I'd gone to church maybe like once or twice And so it was like a completely different experience for me. Everybody went to church. They had like rituals that I was not a part of. And so I remember my first year, I actually, I really did not handle it well. Instead of trying to fit in, I just ran away. Like I would go to UCLA because my best friend was there. And so I ended up like having a ton of UCLA friends. I would go to the YouTube company that we worked at. So I ran away from an environment that made me uncomfortable and tried to find safety in things that I knew that I was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so that was honestly really, really difficult for me. I think that a lot of people always say, you know, college are the best years of your life. And I remember going through the motions and I was like, wow, if these are the best years of my life, like that really sucks. I never felt like I got that college experience. To be perfectly honest, I think that a lot of it had to do with me. The first, you know, year, year and a half, two years, I was just so stubborn. I was like, nope, these are not my people. I have nothing to relate to them on. And so I'm just going to shut them out and I'm going to find safe house elsewhere. Was that like a natural feeling you had or did you tell yourself in your head that I'm not going to be accepted? I think there are definitely a couple instances in which it just made me really feel like an outsider. I remember I was meeting a group of people and, you know, we were going around and they were talking about your favorite Bible quote or something like that. And I was like, oh, I don't have one. You know, I didn't grow up in a religious household. And I just remember a couple of them turned to me. They're like, oh my God, you're not religious. You're not a Christian. You should come to our Bible study. And I was like, what? Like (laughs) that seemed so odd to me and it kind of felt like they were pressuring me to take on their religion like I wasn't good enough as I was like I needed to take on their religion in order to be accepted well was that something that you told yourself or was that something they actually said um it was probably something that I like brought upon myself thinking back to it now but I think that I was just so uncomfortable that Mm. if things didn't go perfectly my way I was really upset about it because then I was like, oh, well, they don't agree with me on everything. Well, my high school friends agree with me on everything and all my UCLA friends and my YouTube company friends, like we all have the same idea about so many things. And then them making me feel like an outsider, I just wanted to run and hide back to something that I knew that my opinion was the popular opinion. 
you know, I grew up in Arcadia. All the weird quirks that I was now being either made fun of or people were pointing out. You know how a lot of Asian kids, they go through bullying, like cultural bullying, like very young. I didn't go through that till college. My college roommate, my first semester of freshman year, I was sitting on my bunk bed and had my hair tied up in a bun. And she was FaceTiming with her friend. She turns and looked at me and goes, oh my God, oh my God, look at my roommate. She looks just like Mulan. Uh... And I was just, and it was like all of these things that I had never experienced before that I didn't know how to process. And, you know, growing up because it was really easy for me to make friends and it was really easy for me to relate to people because everybody was the same as me. I just panicked. I didn't know what to do with myself. Because it was like the first time you encountered that being yourself, there was something off about that to someone else. Like you actually had to think twice about what you say, what you did, how you put up your hair. Yeah, <laughs> and then that other yeah. people would find it either amusing or weird or quirky about you when it's just like, I don't know, I just use chopsticks when I eat. That thing about being one of the few minorities in the community is a common thing that I hear within our even our own Asian American community. Because you hear so many different types of ways that people grew up. And because me and Regina grew up in a primarily Asian American community where it was like 80% Asian people that we grew up mm -hmm. in that bubble. So Dan, how was your childhood like? How, how did you grow up? Uh, like when I think about it, I feel like I felt different. I was adopted. Uh, I definitely didn't feel that I fit in the most. I definitely got made fun of. I was always the token Asian. Like, I had a bunch of white friends, and so I did a lot of really white, trashy things when I was growing up. <laughs> up until the, the like, Wait, I, what, what does that mean? White, trashy? What specifically do you mean? Before I had my Asian awakening, which was like my sophomore year of college, and oh I discovered Asian girls for the first time. <laughs> Wait, that uh, was your Asian awakening when you discovered Asian girls? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, oh we God. have to come back to that. We okay. do, yeah. <laughs> But before that, no, I was really into like I had like I had a mullet. Ew, I was really, really into God. like I was really into pro wrestling. But who, it, who was your favorite wrestler? Oh man, I love Mankind and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like it was the it was oh, the, the purest generation. <laughs> um, Wait, did you know that it was fake then? Of course it did. <laughs> so it's more of like looking at it it's as just, a drama. It's just, no, it's just soap opera. It's the okay, same okay, reason okay. why people enjoy soap operas. Uh, it's so they just get mad at each other and then they fight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was always the token Asian person, so I was never, it never really bothered me because uh, when you're always the same thing, then that's who you are. That's how you mm. fit in. That was it your identity. Yeah, it was my identity, and I like leaned into it. So, like, mm. I didn't really care that like people made fun of me because I was Asian because I just, I leaned into it. I cared a lot more after I had my Asian awakening, yeah. and then I was like, nah, maybe that's kind of racist. Well, so then when they were making fun of you, did you just think of it as like, oh, we're friends, they're just joshing me, or yeah. did you actually take offense? Like, did no, it hurt? You? Did it hurt you? No, it, it never really hurt me. Maybe like the first time when I was like second grade. I think kids don't really know what they're saying at that time. Yeah. And so like that's when it hurts the most. But like when you're leaning into it or you're just trying to make friends, you kind of like just take whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't really care. What did they say to you? Oh, I don't know. Just the same Asian stuff they probably said to other Asian. They just made fun of your eyes. Uh, they made fun of like your black hair, enjoying math, karate. Like it just all did. All did. Uh, the same stupid yeah. like yeah i've gotten a couple of the driving jokes yeah but that's kind of par for the course though see i think that's a very common thing where it's same as regina's story when you start feeling like you don't fit in it's just people picking at the things that make you you mm -hmm. like you're like i don't know i was just born with black hair my eyes are just like this but then when people point that out it makes you feel so 
conscious of that and you're like wait is that wrong yeah mm-hmm. so for you dan you said that you were adopted and dan has a really really great he has two documentaries about his adoption story and what he's currently been going through and you should definitely watch it we'll link it in the description so you were adopted from korea into two white parents yep and then you had an adopted sister as well yep and also korean also korean so you said that you grew up in a community where you weren't the only Asian. There were plenty of other Asians as well, right? I wouldn't say plenty, but oh. like it was it was generally still a pretty white city. But it was Southern California, and there were a couple of Korean families and like Filipino families and Chinese families that lived there. So um, my class at least had like ten other Asian kids in my class, which oh, is okay. which is decent. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So why? Did you hang out with non-Asians? Well, I didn't meet these other Asian people until I was in high school. So, like, before that, like, there was only one other Asian person in my class. Oh. When I was in, like, mm. junior high or grade school. Before then, I had zero Asian friends. So it was very obvious that you were a minority. Yeah, 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 definitely. But, again, I leaned into it. I d- it, it didn't really bother me that much. Well, you say that, you know. <laughs> I'm sure. oh, this, this is Christine prodding This me. is me prodding yeah. you where I'm like, it, it had to come from a place of, like, it hurt you first, like you said. Like, you learn really quickly in order for you to not have it hurt you is to just lean into it yeah is that correct yeah probably well i'm also curious to know like did you grow up thinking that you were white because i grew up in an asian family and in an asian community so i never felt like i stood out Mm -hmm. so when i watched like disney channel and i watched lizzie mcguire i was like oh my god yeah i look exactly like hillary duff like in my mind Mm -hmm. i totally thought Mm -hmm. i was white that's a good commentary on the way that we consume media, which is the, the reason why advertisers don't really spend money on Asian advertising, because if we generally consume media or like buy things like white people, mm-hmm. I think that what you said is true about you watching Lizzie McGuire. Like you didn't really think to yourself, wow, Lizzie doesn't look Asian, so she doesn't reflect my experience mm-hmm. versus like maybe black people or Hispanic people when they when they see Lizzie and they're like. Lizzie doesn't reflect my experience Mm -hmm. and not that she reflects the Asian experience growing up, but at least enough for you to think she's not that different for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Same thing for me. When I watched Boy Meets World growing up, I didn't think to myself, wow, I can't relate at all to these white characters. I related to them pretty well. But then, like, mm-hmm. growing up in your family where your parents are white, did you ever feel out of place at home? Was it obvious to you that yeah, you were yeah, Asian? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, that, that's even something that's, like, true to today. I go out of my way to make sure I don't feel different at home or around, like, other family members. Like, I hate talking about Asian stuff with my parents, actually. Oh. I really, mm. yeah. They'll send me links to, like, Asian stuff or, like, they'll bring up, like, Asian people on TV and I'll be like, that's weird, but I don't want to talk about it. Wait, Why? Even though I know that it's nice, it, it makes you feel very different from them. And that's actually the place where I want to feel the most same is, like, when I'm around my family. Because mm-hmm. if not, I don't look like them. I'm not blood. And, like, it hurts me a lot to think that, like, I'm not related to my mom. Mm-hmm. Family vacations, Thanksgiving, anything like that, when I'm around, like, other family members, and they start talking about, like, Asian stuff or, like, minority stuff, like, I just, I, I leave it alone. I don't even talk about it. Dan, that makes my heart cry why (laughs) because it's like the way that you said it makes you sad that you're not related to your mom in in blood yeah well yeah i know but that's why i'm saying that i that's why i avoid like the us talking about like asian stuff i'm just saying that it makes you feel different wait no because there's something there where you equate you being asian equals you being different than your mom and then that makes you feel uncomfortable that makes you feel like you don't belong yeah but 
but like being Asian is also like such a big part of your life and such a big part of your career now. Yeah. So do you ever talk to them about like what you're doing and you know you writing these lyrics that are super powerful and strong? Like yeah, no, I do. I have that's like part of me that I need to get over to. Like that's just me being uncomfortable. Whenever my mom brings up like people that I work with, Mm -hmm. I love your mom by the way. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's super sweet. Yeah. But I'm getting used to it. Mm. Like that's me being an adult right now. But it makes me feel different though. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that Christine and I honestly even though we grew up with our biological Asian parents, we can still relate to that. Talking about this minority stuff, like, yes, it's obviously a different experience, but, like, for us, like, we grew up quite different from our parents, too, so we have a very different mindset. I understand what you're saying, Dan, because, like, the thing is, I never have to think twice that they are my family. And then, then it's just like no matter how much I screw up or whatever I do, they will always be there because they're blood. Mm-hmm. And I guess I never thought of it that way. Growing up, that must have been a very real thing you had to face just by looking at them. Yeah. The difference. Yeah, yeah. What is the significance of you feeling different in your family that makes you like there has to be a link of that led to a consequence. Therefore, you didn't like that consequence. Therefore, you don't still to this day, you don't like being pointed out that you're different. Maybe it's just the idea of just me being adopted. That's why I feel uncomfortable. Like, what did you tell yourself growing up? Because you didn't know anything about your biological family at all, right? Uh, No, I didn't. Did you want to know? No, not really. Like, I think that's that's always been, like, an honest thing for me is that, like, I never really... Uh, you always wonder, sure, but I never uh, wondered hard enough to, like, look into the information until I was, like, 26. Is it because you were scared? No, I just honestly... I didn't really care. You say that. I don't believe you. No, uh, you I, ca- Like, I, I cared. Like, I obviously... Okay, see, like, I obviously, diff- <laughs> no, You can't I, say that you don't care and then you care. No, but, yeah. there, but there's a difference between saying, like, I don't care, like, I don't really care, and, like, no, of course... Yes, like, there is a like difference. Every- <laughs> No, 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 no. Like, of course I, of course okay. I cared. Yeah. You're like, of course, like, that. everybody, like, kind of wants to know. Yeah. But it never prodded at me that deep that I needed to do anything until I was 26 or Right, right. So what at 26 flipped the switch and you're like, oh, I'm going to make a documentary and I'm going to go and find my parents? I was going to Korea anyway, and I was like, if I don't do it now, I might never do it. Mm-hmm. It was a now or never situation. Like, around that time, maybe two years ago, I finally, like, reconnected with the adoptee community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they talked about, like, meeting their biological family. Then I started thinking about it more as an actual possibility. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys should definitely watch this documentary because it'll go into all the twists and turns into how Dan connects with his biological family and what their backstory was. And that Dan finds out he has a identical twin brother. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. These are the questions that I've always wanted to ask. And I feel like we've touched upon it, but we've never really gotten really deep. And that's only... Because before I just didn't know how you process everything and I didn't want to dig if it was still really raw. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do it now. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it. Can you just like kind of go through a brief summary of what happened? Like why did they give you up and then what ended up happening? Yeah, the TLDR version is <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they, were, they were poor. We were born, uh, me and my identical twin brother. And then he got better because we were both sick at the time. When and you, then, when you were a baby. When we were babies. Korea yeah. was very poor at that time. Uh-huh. And then he got better. I didn't get better. And then um, they decided to give me up for adoption because they couldn't afford me. And they, they kept him because he was healthy. Uh, which, I guess, like, if we were two fruits and we're like, I'm going to take a bruised fruit or a, a healthy oh, fruit, I'm gonna t- they're going to keep the healthy fruit. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know. Is that, I know. Do you think you're a fruit? No. <laughs> a bruised fruit? See, that's the thing where it's like, okay, so going into that side, where you also have an older sister too. Uh, no, younger sister. Oh, she's younger? Yeah, she's like my sister's age in America. 
Oh, so they had another child after you guys. They did, but then a lot happens in three years. They were able to afford another baby at that time. So then my question to you is, when you're growing up and you didn't know any of this, was there a feeling of rejection? No, I'll be honest. Like I never really, I, I think a lot of adoptees go through that. And uh, I think there's a lot of validity to like those that think that way. Maybe it ran across my mind when I was a kid, but as an adult and with my adult knowledge of like how I was feeling when I was younger, uh, I never really had that feeling. And it was mainly because I lived a pretty good childhood. I'm very happy with the parents that, that raised me mm-hmm. and everything was like very solid. So there was nothing that you told yourself as a kid that made you feel like, why me? Why was I put up for adoption? Yeah, like, why am I yeah. the only Asian in my class? Why am I Asian in my family when my parents are white? No, not in a negative way, at least. That's why I'm like, I'm so into comedy, because I think that they take serious situations and make them like more uh, palatable for people to understand. But it's coming from a dark place. Oh, yeah, it's coming from a very dark place. Adoption's kind of a dark thing. I had a pretty good childhood, and I'm very thankful and very grateful for how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And because of that, like, I didn't have to—I never really thought about what if I was back in Korea. Whereas, like, a lot of adoptees think about that. Mm -hmm. A lot of adoptees have very awful situations where they have not the most ideal situations with their adoptive families. The the adoptive families, like, treat them very poorly— that's where I think a lot of those feelings of, of resentment come from. Well, then what about like after you did the documentary and you went to Korea and you found out the story of your biological family? What was that like? Uh, so that's also maybe me being me not wanting to face whatever. Like I could question my biological family. I could. I, there's a lot of questions I could bring up. I could feel very angry at that. Like now that I know the story, yeah. I could bring it up to my biological dad, and I'm sure that there's a lot of questions I could bring up to him, which would probably ruin my relationship with the family. Mm-hmm. Because like what? Oh, because well, I know for a fact that like he's the one that like put me up for adoption. Like I don't think he told my mom. Like oh. I think, but it was at a time in Korea where like families just couldn't afford kids. I'm sure that he did what he had to do at that time. And I'm sure that it caused the family a lot of... I, I actually wrote a song all about my feelings towards... Uh, it's, it's a song called Mothers. It's on the new album. Yeah. And I write my very complicated feelings uh, yeah. within 32 bars about how I feel about the Korean uh, adoption system and my situation and how effed up it is that like the things that both of my mothers had to go through in order for me to exist in the place that I'm at, mm-hmm. which is a pretty astounding thing that like both my mothers... My mom had cancer, and so that's why she couldn't have kids, and so like that's why I was adopted. It's pretty fucked up that she had to have cancer in order for me to be here and then my biological mom she had two babies one of them got taken away from her and then she's probably like lived her entire life wondering what happened to me and then now i exist again Mm. so uh yeah those things like run through my mind i mean when you say like you could be mad like are you mad and it's okay it's not like you feeling these things makes you not understanding or not a loving person it's just if that's how you feel but if you keep blocking it like that's when i kind of feel as your friend that that's when you try to blend in with everything. Like, even now, I feel like where you work amongst our mutual friends, I'm just going to say, I don't feel like you fit in. I can read you that I feel like you don't fit in, but you try. Yeah. Am I reading that incorrectly? Not to say that people don't accept you, but I feel like you feel like you kind of have to, like, be cool with things. And, like, even if you don't understand, you'll be like, okay, that's fine. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, no, I, that's a very accurate description of me. And uh, I think that, I was about to say that after we're done doing this podcast, we can go talk about it. No, we're talking about it right now. That's why we have you on the show, you know. Do you feel like that has carried over from your past? 
Uh, yeah, no, that's probably true. And maybe it's connected to the adoption thing. I don't know. Well, it's see, probably- see, like, th- it's interesting to me that you try not to share that. Like, you don't, you're like, oh, I've never thought that deeply about it. I've never, like, explored that. But there has to be nights in your 32 years of living that these thoughts have crossed your mind and you're like, well, why? Like, like, present day Dan thinks about, like, present day Dan. I'm saying to the, the point that, like, these are my truths. I'm not angry about my adoption at all. But you just said that you could be angry. Oh, no, no. When I say I could be angry, I'm just saying that, like, if somebody else were to be put into my position, I could see that I could be angry. But my situation right now is I'm a grown person. In the respect of the relationship that I've currently got with my biological family, if I had met them 10 years earlier, who knows? But in the way that I met them, in its current situation, in me being happy about, like, my relationship with my mom and my my situation here in America, I don't have any ill feelings towards anybody i'm very happy that they're part of my life and if anything i don't want to do anything to like rock that boat so yeah that's me being uncomfortable and scared about it and that like if i were to bring up some of these questions that like i know that it would affect my relationship with my biological family but i don't have any need to like ask those questions now i'm happy that we're together do you feel completely resolved about everything no i don't i see so you're like if it's at the cost of potentially ruining this relationship yeah. versus your need to resolve it, you're yeah. going to pick the relationship, That's right? That's true, yeah. Do you just try not to think about it, or do they really not bother you? They really don't bother me. But it's unresolved. But it's unresolved, though, yeah. I don't know the answers to some of these things. That said, like, I'm very willing to go into the idea that, yeah, I think that like maybe some of those traits as a younger person, I, I never really had like a lot of friends when I was growing up. Which is why, like, when I think about my high school and my junior high, I only talked to one person from that, like, that generation of my life. I never built, like, really good relationships with anybody. Mm-hmm. And why? so I, I, was, I was like a chameleon. Like, I really went in between, like, different groups of people. I had different groups of friend sets. And I, I guess at the core of it, like, from what I remember, like, being in junior high and high school, like, I didn't want people. There are aspects about my personality type. And this is how I am with, like, people now, which really deeply affects me now in my relationships. Yeah. Uh, I knew that if people got to know, like, not that I knew, but if people got to know me, maybe they wouldn't like me. And then I would stop being friends with them. Which carries on very deeply into, like, I think my relationships now. And that, like, it probably prevents me from getting to know people that much. Yeah. That's why I limit the amount of conversation that I've got with some people. Sometimes I feel like if I talk to them for too long, I'm going to run out of things to say. And so I need to save certain things for, like, later on. Which is a stupid thing to, like, think about when I'm talking to somebody. Well, you told me that. I was like, that's so interesting. I never, ever heard anyone say that. Yeah, yeah. So then do you ever feel like you don't know what your true self is or who your true self is? Yeah, probably, which is why I, I don't have, like, a relationship. <laughs> well, you say relationship as in a romantic relationship, yeah. right? Well, I was going to say, like, I know that I do that a lot, too, where at work I care more about being liked than people actually getting to know the real me. Yeah. And in turn, it's sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, I wasted all this time talking to all these people and I don't know anything past like what the weather is like today. Yeah. That's something that I'm also very much working on because I do think that like the older that I get with some of these relationships as well as like business partnerships and people that I'm in connected connection with, I need to get to know people on a deeper level. That's what matters to me more as I, I get older. And so I am trying to fix that, which is what, like, me and Christine had this conversation a while ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even think it's, like, something that you, it's, like, necessarily fixing, but it's just embracing yourself. I feel Mm -hmm. like the reason why you don't feel like you fit in is because you don't know what your identity is because you have so many. And also because you're afraid to love yourself. Yeah, no, that's true. And it's a shame that you feel that way, Dan, because you're such an amazing human being. 
like from your circumstances and what you've been through and how you've cultivated your life now and how many people you inspire, Mm -hmm. not even just the general public, but the people amongst you. Can you accept that, that you are amazing human being? Um, yeah, I'm pretty confident about the things that I've done over the last couple of years. I think I've had like the last couple of years have been pretty self-discovery for me. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident about what it is that I'm doing now. You know, you do that. What? When you get uncomfortable, you do a fake yawn. <laughs> oh. That's what I keep hearing. And I was like, what is, I, I always imagine that you're like going to start yawning. Yeah, yeah. No, Dan has a lot of like Wait, Dan show, mannerisms. Show me. When you like are uncomfortable, you're like, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, you know, so you start talking. It's not a yawn. Like you're taking a really deep breath, but then you don't yawn and then you just keep talking. <laughs> yeah. You, it's like you, you're like trying to distract us with something else. Yeah. And then you're like, no, he's trying to get us to get be sleepy so that we'll like wrap up the conversation. I think there's a sign when it's like it's getting too real. Then he's like, oh, oh I'm tired. Oh, I'm gonna go sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I know that you say that, and then that's the thing where I feel getting to know you through these like several years. It took us a while to actually get past the surface of things. I just yawned, then I realized I was yawning, and I was like, I wonder if I'm doing that on purpose. Yeah, I know. I saw you're like. Oh, stop. Yeah. You know, it, t- it took us a while to, and even now, it's like you said, it's like bridging that gap of letting people in. Yes. <laughs> I know, because I made eye contact with him. And he was just like, oh, did you want me to confirm yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, digging in deeper, not fitting in is exactly that. It stems from a young mind. And as much as like we can look back at it, from an adult perspective and be like, oh no, from a mature standpoint, that didn't make any sense, right? But that still doesn't change how we felt and how we've carried it with us. So the same reasons why you don't let people in may not be that, oh, because they made fun of you as an Asian person in second grade, but that experience and how that made you feel, you carry that feeling of rejection and the fear of it has carried over to now as an adult. For example, for me, I grew up in like a primarily Asian community. I got made fun of for bringing noodles to school for lunch. Like that feeling of all these kids laughing and then pointing at the very thing that I just ate with my family last night, saying it's disgusting how it looks like worms and I'm disgusting because I would eat that. Something as simple as that at the time made me feel so self-conscious and disgusting because those are the words that they were saying. Mm -hmm. And then I remember telling my mom after that, can you never pack me noodles for school lunches? I mean, obviously, from an adult perspective, it's like, well, that's not something that I feel embarrassed about now, right? But that memory of how I felt has stuck with me. And that's carried over to things now when I don't feel like I belong. And I feel like I've always carried that feeling of just, there's just something in me that I just never felt like I quite fit in. Even if I look like you guys and we agree on certain things, like there's just something in me that I just feel like I'm walking to the beat of my own drum if that makes sense just certain things even things like i'm not really that into partying that was a phase of my life and then there are certain friends and people that are really into that which i like it's cool and you're one of those friends dan you know yeah you love partying you know (laughs) i just i can't keep up it doesn't make me uncomfortable when i'm around people who party but i also feel like that's just not my thing but the thing now it's that when i get invited to these things and everyone's drinking and i'm just like i'd rather just stay home i do feel a sense of like i don't know if i just I just don't fit in. Mm, that resonates with me, but like in the opposite way, in that like I, like I, I drink, I drink a lot, and I think that <laughs> you what? just did it right now. What you, did you heard that right, Regina? But I, I, let's go in. Um, okay, good. But no, I, I drink uh, in order to like it calms my brain. Like, it just, uh, yeah. Like then I stop thinking. 
And that's basically what it is. That's why people say people aren't really addicted to like drugs or alcohol. They're addicted to escaping reality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's such a good tie in with your new album. Yes. Escape from L.A. Exactly. So tell us a bit about that. This is your new album that's coming out. By the time this episode comes out, I think you're all- I think it'll just be about out. Yeah. 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 The title came to me and I'm really excited about it. Uh, ultimately, uh, <laughs> it was ultimately it was basically what it, what it's about is it's an escapism album. So every single song is about like escaping one of those problems or escaping like myself. Mm-hmm. And that but by the end of the album, it's me owning up to like who I am and you, you can't run from yourself. That's why the name of the album is Escape from L.A. L.A. to me represents like who I am right now as a human being. There's a lot of things that like you love about L.A. There's a lot of things you hate about L.A., a lot of vices, a lot of negatives, a lot of beautiful things, a lot of bad things. And it's about escaping all of those things. You, you run away from your problems. But then ultimately, like by the end of the album, it is really about me just facing up to those and realizing you can't really run from who you are. That's so deep, Dan. I know. I yeah. love that. It's so like it fits in so well with this topic. Yes. So. When you say L.A. is basically you, what are you running away from in yourself? Uh, just running away from... Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's your album. Okay, well, I know one of the songs, even with Mothers, right? You were talking about how in a romantic relationship, it's hard for you to connect with someone because how are you supposed to connect with a female in that sense when we don't give your mom the time that she deserves? Mm-hmm. Um... I think it just it, it goes down. <laughs> now I can't stop doing it. <laughs> there's been a lot of situations where, like, there's a lot of women in my life I, I think that maybe I could have been with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that you connect with certain people better than you connect with a lot of other people. Right. And I think that you're only given a couple of those people in your life, and then that's basically it. And oh, really? So, <laughs> only a couple? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I think people that you really, really, like, uh, heavily connect with. Okay. You'll Like, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You meet those people. Mm-hmm. And so I've met those people, and then I've decided to run from those situations because I'm like, I'm not ready for it yet. I don't even love myself. Like, how can I love these people? And so mm-hmm. just realizing that, like, those options are limited and that if you run from those options, then you're, you're not good. But, yeah, the song is ultimately about, like, running away from um, women in general. And I can definitely relate to that because I feel like me, too. Like, I struggle a lot in the relationship department because I'm always afraid. Like, I have an image of myself, of who I want myself to be. And it's so much easier thinking of this image and like trying to portray this image without actually having to be vulnerable and showcasing your true self because then you're just like oh well if they don't like me oh that's okay because they don't really know the real me it was just a facade it was just like a face that I put on and I completely understand this whole concept of running away as well I mean I think that when I moved to New York I was running away. I felt like I lived in a bubble. I felt like everybody around me already had a perception of who I was. And if I didn't leave, that was just going to be who I became. Like I wasn't going to have any room to grow. And so part of me coming to New York was like, all right, well, let's see what I'm going to be like when I don't have other people's expectations affecting my behavior and my decisions. And after I ran away, I came to realize like, wow, a lot of the things that I did back when I was in L.A., that's just who I am because I still see myself doing those same things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you pretty much hit that on the nail where it's just, if you don't have to show the real you, no one ever has to reject that. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know your identity, Dan Matthews, (laughs) you don't stick with a certain identity, then no one really gets to reject you. Yeah. So when you said that, you realize that you don't love yourself, which is why, how are you supposed to love somebody else? Why don't you love yourself? 
First off, Regina, <laughs> great uh, description. I actually, that reminds me a lot of, all right, so the album was based off of like Master of None. And so like, I wanted to be like the master of none of like rap albums. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and like Aziz, like he leaves New York, mm-hmm. he goes to Italy in the second season and he just escapes all of his problems and he becomes new Aziz out there. And then he realized that he's still the same Aziz. So then he moves back to New York. That, that hits the nail on the coffin though. Like you moving to New York and trying to be a new person, you're basically the same person. Like at this point in your life, you're the same person that you are. You can change like little habits, but you're basically who you, you're stuck with yourself. Mm-hmm. So then answer my question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You realize that you are who you are and yeah. then that your option is to learn to love yourself yeah so why don't you love yourself dan matthews because uh, there's a lot of like issues with myself that i don't like a lot of bad habits well can you be specific just like drinking and stuff well not just in bad habits but then it's like your Mentality, personality just yeah. cycles just having more discipline do you feel like you're not special no i feel like i'm pretty special <laughs> damn it dan matthews <laughs> <laughs> if you can say that you don't love yourself there's a very specific reason why it's not just because you're drinking that's just like a very surface level thing it is i don't know just just uh <laughs> can we talk about it later <laughs> <laughs> no we're talking about it right now dan matthews you don't have to have the answers now yeah but these are things that are, it's good to think about these could very much answer the questions as to why you're running away you totally overcompensate everything dan not to say that you're not a hard worker, but you overdo it to a point it's at the cost of you, your mm-hmm. mentality, and your whole... And I think that's where the drinking comes in from. Yeah. Well, no, I think that's directly related to... Uh, the one thing I know that definitely stems from like my, uh, like my high school and when I was younger is that I found that... like I think it was because I had low self-esteem, and I think that people valued me when I was doing things. And so the more that I was doing things, the more active I was, the more value I was bringing to people's lives and the better I felt about myself. <gasps> Dan, Dan. No, I didn't have that realization right now, Christine. I, like, I've known that about myself. Wow, he totally didn't want to do that I know, he was to just like, like, no, you didn't have nothing to do with this. <laughs> I'm not saying that I did, but see, that's where I'm getting at, where, like, those are the very things that... But yeah, that's why, like, I overwork and I, like, I, me working and people saying, good job, Dan, like, is a little, like, gold star for me every single time I hear it. And that comes from, like, me thinking that, like, I'm not providing value to people's lives otherwise. Exactly. As you normally are. It's a universal feeling of not feeling enough as you are. I'm just, like, we and Regina have done many topics about this. Almost every single guest that we brought on have said this. Starting from Cassie Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. Wendy to Wes have all said that they felt like they're not enough as they are. Totally, yeah. So that's why it's, like, from the outside perspective, it can look like, wow, Dan, how could you not think that? You're doing so many things, right? How can someone like you not feel like you're enough? But then it's the same Dan that, like, is young Dan from high school that somebody out there who's listening to this who is in middle school and high school and college relates to that feeling so much. Mm -hmm. Because they also, in their way, feel like who they are just is not good enough. Yeah. That really is the power in your story, regardless if you're executive director of ISA or you're a rapper or you're coming out with a new album or you're not, or you're not doing anything. The power in your story is that, like what you've been through and realizing it. Because when I look at you, I can tell that you're trying, but then I also feel like you don't need to at all. Just like if I try too hard, it's like you can look at me and be like, Christine, I accept you as you are. Mm-hmm. Even when I screw up, which I have before, when we work together, there are things that I drop the ball. There are things that you see me at my very low lows, you know, but does that make you love me any less? 
answer that. Uh, no, like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's well, like, mm, maybe. Yeah, actually. <laughs> if anything, you love me more for that mm-hmm. because you see the vulnerability and that I trust you with my vulnerability. I feel the most connected to you when I'm able to really look into you and be like, is that really how you feel? Because I trust you to not judge me. To not look at me and be like, wow, you're such a failure. Yeah, we try to create the perfectly imperfect atmosphere to be very non-judgmental and for you to be able to talk about your deepest, darkest fears because I think that that's what makes us all human. Like your story makes you human, not your occupation or your friends. Or your accomplishments. When I was going through my really dark period of depression, Dan was one of the people that I've talked to about it. And I had no hesitation talking to you about it because I just felt even if you didn't understand, you would try to. That conversation that we had really made me feel it's okay that I don't have the answers because I have friends like you, Dan, who want to understand and want to help me through the process. Whether or not you can physically help me, knowing that your support is there, you guys have created a space where you guys aren't judging me for it. And that's where I hope that you can feel that way, at least like with me or the people around you, because that's exactly how people around you feel about you. You don't need to be more in order to be loved or accepted. I think that like stuff like this really sticks with me. And I I think about it. I like to reflect on stuff like this way more than I, I should. I think that people know that stuff's like constantly going through my head, which, again, is good because it makes me like a type A personality. But it's bad because it affects my judgment uh, a lot of the time. So, Do you second guess yourself a lot? Yeah. Is it because you just don't? trust your own gut instinct sometimes not no but i think that's also fixing itself too i'm a lot more like Mm. straightforward and a lot more confident with my decisions now so what changed i think i realized certain parts of my personality that i need to like fix one is just getting to know people a lot lot deeper and honestly it comes down to like you either you do or you don't and if you don't nothing's gonna happen to you like you're gonna be fine if you don't get to know this person either way Mm -hmm. but you'll probably be better if you do yeah, I think the best way to, I think, apply it to is just working out or, like, just running or jogging. You get better at things that you continually do. On Perfect practice makes perfect whatever whatever the end of that phrase is. But, like, <laughs> but I, I, you see physical results out of it, though. And yeah. so I know that the more and more that I practice, like, having better conversations with people, the better it's going to get naturally. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's exactly where I think the takeaway for me from all this is what clicked for me is when I just realized when people say this a lot, it's like, it's completely up to you. Mm-hmm. You can consciously make that decision to turn things around. You can consciously look at it and be like, I don't fit in. And like, Regina, I'm just going to run yeah. away. Yeah. And like Dan, I'm just going to run away from my problems. But then you heard it here from people like Dan and Regina, who the result of that is like, no matter where you run, how far you run to, you still have to face yourself. Yeah. Like you can't run away from it. So you can consciously decide to do that or you can consciously decide I'm going to face it and I'm going to try to change it get better yeah and for me like in my second or third year of college when I finally decided like hey maybe I should open myself up more like I feel like I'm wasting my college years away the years that people really value and I feel like I'm not getting that experience and I noticed that when I opened myself up more I was able to find a lot of friends there who were willing to talk to me about religion, not in a forceful way. And maybe the people in the beginning weren't even talking to me about it in a forceful way. Maybe I just built that all up in my head. But as I started talking to a lot of other people, we would have really, really good debates. And these are still some of my closest friends now. But if I didn't allow myself to open up and really hear them out and find people who are willing to hear me out, I would have just spent all four years stubborn, bitter, and just angry at everyone and thinking that, you know, they should somehow bend over backwards just so that I feel more accepted. 
Yeah, and then you're basically living your life based off of the stories that you are telling yourself in your head, based off of past experiences, which mm-hmm. may or may not be true. Just like Regina said, like the people that she felt were judging her for not being religious enough to be accepted, she's running with that story in her head. That's mm-hmm. therefore she's not trying to make a connection with them. Yeah, like reject them before they reject you mentality too. Exactly. So in current day now, I just feel like I don't want to give that power to people that don't even exist anymore like those kids that made fun of my noodles like <laughs> it's not the noodle you, you get it right it's the feeling that i didn't belong there was something wrong with me yeah. i just don't trust who i am things that i thought were very natural to me i don't trust that anymore because other people think it's weird and i think as you get older too you realize that the more you do that the more you lose yourself just copying everyone else you don't know who you are you're just confused and you lose a sense of like where your priorities are what your passions are like do you really love what you love or do you love it because everybody else loves it exactly if you're afraid to open up to a potential partner that could end up being your wife or husband because you're afraid of rejection because of stories that you told yourself of oh she probably wouldn't like that anyways or i'm afraid to show that side it's like your whole life is affected when you doubt yourself and you don't listen to your gut And that's why you don't even know yourself. And that is why you cannot love yourself. More often than not, you find people that actually completely relate to you. Yes. And that completely know where you're coming from and understand and have felt those similar feelings or are still feeling those similar feelings. And I think that's the beauty of being in the position that you are in, being able to inspire so many that you do. Having them hear the true side of you, it's not going to scare them away. If anything, it's just going to make you more of a real person and it's going to continue inspiring them. Seeing your struggles, seeing the things that you're insecure about, seeing all of this depth to you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't take compliments well. You should. I really hope that you not only just say that you think that you're special, but you accept that you are special just as you are. Mm -hmm. Not all the things that make up on paper who Dan is people look up to you for that so i am so proud of you that you are putting yourself out there more and that you're identifying with you know what's going on inside and trying to make conscious changes about it i've i've known you for years and i think who you are now you've grown in so many ways and obviously your music and your art has it reflects that accept that compliment thank you I could say the same thing about Christine. I, 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 it's been great getting to see Christine change over all these years. Thank you. I accept your compliment as well. <laughs> and Regina, we've all grown. I just really appreciate this opportunity. I, Christine really does challenge me, and I really appreciate that about her personality. And I think that's important because that helps me grow a lot. Oh, that's so sweet. You're such an amazing human being. I hope that you see it as well because that's such a shame if you don't. If anyone should appreciate how amazing you are, it should be you. Those are the first steps to be able to learn to love yourself because that's what people love about you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being on our show and opening up. I know that's it's a hard, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I feel like I've really been able to see another layer to you and knowing your story now makes you that makes your story even more incredible and you more incredible and everything that you've done for the community. Thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> yes, Dan Matthews. I'm gonna I'm just gonna end with just shouting compliments at you and making you feel really uncomfortable while you yawn really You're great. You're wonderful. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so Dan, where can our listeners find you? You can check me out at Dan A. K. Dan on Instagram and all of the other things. And then when is your new album coming out? New album should hopefully be out by the second or third week of October. 
Everything will be in the description box below. So be sure to check him out. Support Dan and his incredible art. I'm so excited to listen to the album now, especially knowing like the backstory behind everything. If you guys really related to what today's topic was and what Dan was saying, then you will really, really love this album. And there's some really good beats in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm doing, I'm doing that dance that confused Dan in the beginning. <laughs> So don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We love reading your comments and hearing the stories that you guys have to say and how stories like Dan's have affected your lives. And if you guys want to follow us on social, all of the links will be in the description box below. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> you're welcome. Dan, you're amazing. Your muscles are amazing. Oh, my God. You're so amazing. He's going to start yawning and just fall asleep. <laughs> all right, guys. Okay.